You are now listening to the voice of Tamar with Vanessa Santiago. It is podcasting time again, and I am so excited, which I say that every single time I do a podcast, but this one's a little bit different. Um, I think I was just scrolling through Instagram one day and the algorithms really did something that only Jesus could do because I ended up at this book. So I was looking at it and I'm like, okay, well, let me, you know, like I was reading kind of what was on uh, Sharona's Instagram. I should probably leave with that. Um, I have a guest today. I have a guest today and her name is Sharona Drake. And I ran into her page and I was like literally locked in. So the funny thing that I didn't even share with her is that um, I ended up getting the book and I was listening to it on Audible. And so I was driving and I ended up tagging her on Instagram saying, I've been um, driving all day reading your book. Like I'm in tears, but I had a typo in it. So it said, I was drinking all day, listening to your book. And then she responded and I was so embarrassed. I was like, let me fix it. But no, it, it is what it is. But here we are. I ended up to kind of, I ended up stepping out in faith and asking her to be a part of the podcast. And I'm excited. This is, this is a pivotal moment for me. I'm super excited. So I'm going to let her introduce herself and kind of share who she is and some of her personal story. Yeah. Hey everybody. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Vanessa, for inviting me. Um, I love seeing God do so much more with the little we give him. And mm-hmm. so hearing stories like yours where Instagram just put my book in front of you and you got it. And in one day, you're just kind of like, I'm going to listen to this. That means the world to me. And now I'm here able to share with your listeners. So yeah, my name is Sharona Drake. I am the author of After They Touched Me. It's the story of how I turn my sexual trauma into a glorious triumph. Um, I am a brand strategist by trade. So I owned a branding and marketing firm. I'm a creative. So I've sung background and recorded background with various billboard gospel artists and toured and done all of that great stuff. I'm a radio host here in Huntsville, Alabama. And overall, I just love good stories. I'm a storyteller. I'm a mentor. And all of it is storytelling to me because God has given me the gift of faith. And I don't take that lightly. I know it's a gift and I'm learning more about that as I get older, but now I realize, okay, it's a gift that I have. And, and so when I see a story, whether it's with a business or a person or myself, I am able to find the gems in a story and to find hope in hopeless places. And that's what I do with mentorship. I see a story in a, in a young woman or an older woman now because I, I do life coaching, but I would see a story in one of the young women and maybe my nonprofit program and say, ooh, I see where God could take you. Or I see this gifting, even though the world has written you off. You know, I had a nonprofit called Pearl. And the idea was that when an oyster is agitated by sand, that dirt really that has gotten inside, it throws everything it has on it. And as it does that, trying to get rid of it, a pearl is actually created. Mm. And I believe that's the story. Um, Those are the types of stories that God uses when life has thrown everything at you and said, you're nothing but dirt, you're aggravating, you're irritating, you don't have anything to offer. God uses all of that to create beautiful pearls in us all. And so I see that in businesses. I see, I hear, I hear that even in music. It's just how is God forming a pearl, forming a jewel, making a diamond out of this tough situation? And so I feel like he's done that very well um, with my life that when life, you know, threw uh, molestation at me and sexual trauma and, you know, just living in the hood and poverty and violence and all of that very early. God's hand was on me and um, he, he put something in me, that faith in me, that believed that there was something bigger, that believed that there was something better. And I just have the tenacity and the, uh, the boldness or maybe the arrogance, some might say, <laughs> to believe that anything is possible and I can do anything. Yeah. And so... Um, after experiencing molestation at a very young age, although I, I did not call it that, 
until maybe I was in college and it processed that that's what it was, right? For years, you know, after experiencing that, after experiencing the violence of living in the hood and the craziness of living in a military community, because there are other traumas that come come with that. <laughs> you know, uh, God continued to do things um, from being, you could say, suicidal in middle school when things just started crashing and you know, I had lost all the siblings I had known because of someone very close who had molested all the foster kids that I grew up with in the house. And in one day, everyone, it was seven of us. And in one day, it was just me. You know, after going through that, seeing your sister crying and cops dragging her out the house, um, you know, all of those things, you would think that barely making it would be a success. But I think my life has been a testament that, man, God can do amazing things. And where sin abounds, not just the sin of ourselves, but the sin of others, mm -hmm. you know, sin of other people touching us or speaking down to us or physically abusing us or whatever someone has done. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Where someone's sin has hurt us, God's grace can do even more then, you know, the wreck <laughs> that that sin, that that brokenness can cause, right? And then even for my life, it, I, I don't just say, okay, I was molested and this is why I was this way. No, no, no. I made choices then, of course. There is, it opened the door for certain probably addictions or tendencies or what have you, but there is a point where you start making a choice. And I chose promiscuity. I, I, I made choices, um, however bound I was, because I do believe I was bound in, in, in some type of spiritual bondage of sorts, there were still certain choices I made that God gave me the power through his spirit to then break, to be able to be on the other side where I love life. I tell my mentees, I used to tell them all the time, hey, I really think I'm probably happier than 95% of the world. Like, and I'm leaving the five because, you know, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> But I love my life. I love my story. I even speaking to my mom about it, you know, she's so broken about everything that's happened. Um, but I tell I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. You know, I God no, knew what I could bear with his spirit partnering with me. Yeah. We say that he doesn't put too much on us than we can bear. Um, I don't I don't know if I technically agree with that. I think we are overburdened. That's why we need him and mm -hmm. we need to cast our cares on him because without him, um, we can't bear it. But with him, I feel like he just knew, hey, with what I've given you and me, you know, walking with you, we can do anything and overcome anything. And so my life has been a testament of that. I've been able to travel the world. I've been able to mentor women that have gone through things that I've gone through and see them on the other side. I've been able to stop certain people from molesting girls and, and shutting down organizations and saying, hey, this isn't okay. Been able to, you know, build a company and live, you know, every day I wake up in my house and I'm like, I can't believe I live here. I remember being a kid in the hood and going to neighborhoods that just had nice driveways and thinking that's what rich, that was rich people. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, they have a basketball court and, and kids play that's amazing you know or basketball hoop you know now I'm in a neighborhood where the HOA is like no 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 we, we don't put hoops there because that brings down our property value you know <laughs> it's like what in the world right and this is where my son gets to grow up and you know and but more than that I think we talked about it offline is that I do feel whole yeah I I have learned to love myself which was so hard to do, Vanessa. Mm -hmm. For so many years, not only was I broken by what happened without even knowing that's what it was, but I just thought something was wrong with me. Why can't I stop having sex and I'm supposed to love the Lord? Mm -hmm. Why is it that I have these desires and I'm, I'm supposed to do this? And the church says, you know, if you love God, you do this, but I could not stop. Yeah. And in some cases, 
in a lot of cases, the, the burden that was on me, the chains that were on me came from people in the church that were also saying these things. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, you're teaching me scripture and all of this. And on the other hand, you're teaching me, you know, about the ugliness of sexual trauma, the other side, not the beauty of sex, yeah. but the distortion of sex and intimacy and um, for so many years, I was trying to find my worth. Yeah. Um, I was trying to find intimacy. I wouldn't even say it was sex as much as intimacy. And I confused them, right? And I was trying to prove that I wasn't worth being rejected. Hmm. So I'd serve in the church, over-serve and say yes to things I probably should say no to and you know, just to hopefully win my spot with God and earn the love that he had already given me. And so um, it's been beautiful to be in a different space. Yeah, It's been beautiful to realize that I am free, that some of the things that we do, we have taught in the church are just wrong. They're, they're not comprehensive of the love of God. And um, it shows how afraid we are to change our tradition. Mm-hmm. It shows how afraid we are of processing with people. We'd rather you you just have behavior modification, mm-hmm. and a heart change. And so if someone's like, yeah, no, I'm probably not going to stop having sex right now. I'm probably not dealing with this right now. No, I'm probably going to continue smoking weed right now because I'm dealing with the roots. We don't know how to handle that. Yeah, We don't know how to handle the fact that sometimes... God is less concerned about the surface and more concerned about the roots. So we, you know, the church in the past has offered cough medicine, a cough suppressant, you know, as opposed to the medicine that's needed. So whatever's going on in my lungs and in my chest is healed. Yeah. It's like, just stop coughing. Just stop, just stop having sex. Just stop smoking weed. Just stop doing this. Just stop uh, fighting people. Just stop. No, no, no. Why? Yeah. And that's going to take the work. And if we could get down to the root, all these other things will follow. But for so many years, it was backwards. It doesn't work that way. And then you've piled on guilt because cough suppressant is only going to work so long until you build up the resistance. Yeah. So then you have to hear another sermon that makes you feel like crap. <laughs> you know, you have to, you're asking for another mentor. Can you just hold me accountable? Because, you know, until you feel like crap mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, hey, this is where I'm at. Who's willing to walk with me where I'm at right now? Because if God loves me, he loves me. Mm-hmm. And to understand that this took years for me to get here. Yeah. And so it is quite possible that it would take years for me to heal. Can God heal in an instance? Absolutely. But there are times where just like the man who was blind, he touches you a couple of times. Yeah. For whatever reason he chooses. Hey, can you see why well, I see men walking like trees? Okay, well, that's not good enough. I'm going to touch you again. And the church has made people feel guilty for needing the second touch, the third touch, when sometimes it's deeper than that. And so I've accepted that, hey, God, however many times you need to touch me, touch me. Mm-hmm. But I'm in, the, I'm in this with you, right? And I trust that if I'm in it and you have begun a good work, you will complete it. And even at the end of this, if I don't look like what I want to be, but my heart belongs to you, I'll still see you face to face. Yeah. And that's if the, all the surface stuff does not is not eliminated, but my heart is with you. I trust you to complete the good work. I trust that you know, when you created the earth each day, you said it was good, even though it was not complete. Yeah. And so I could be good and incomplete. Mm-hmm. And um, so I know it's a lot as far as talking about who I am, but that's, that's where I am. This, that's a part of my journey is just learning the depths of God's love and um, breaking away from what I say, you know, is some of the colonized thought in our church. Like, yeah. We've got to break away from performance and really get to the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's where I'm at. And that's that's what I love. And so that book, you know, after they touched me, 
is, and I say it in the intro, this is not a how-to book. This is not a do, you know, completely steps in your fine. No, this is a cycle. I go through from, from glory to glory, <laughs> you know, from faith to faith. I'm also going through awareness. I'm also learning more about, man, my sexual trauma hit me there. Yeah. Or rejection also plays its, shows its face in this way. It, and it's not, oh, I'm bogged, uh, you know, I'm a horrible person because I'm still dealing with rejection. It's like, oh, okay, no, this is another side of it. It's multifaceted. Yeah. And so we'll deal with it here on this level. And then we'll move forward. We'll deal with, oh God, I still am angry somewhere deep down mm-hmm. with you. And let's deal with it when we get there because we're in relationship. Yeah. Hey, I still do have questions about myself, about my mind, about you know, the church and its role, you know, as we have learned it, I, I still have questions about intimacy. I still, you know, deal with learning how to trust again, like, and that's okay. Yeah. And each phase, it's a different level of the same stuff. Yeah. And, and I've learned to accept the beauty in it. And that feel like there's so many nuggets in there. I have like 10 billion questions because <laughs> When I was reading the book, I I think it finally hit me that this is a layered thing, right? Because every time something else would come up, like somebody tried to help me take my jacket off and I went into a cringe. I'm like, I'm tired. Another, when is this going to be over? And so as I was reading your book and you were talking about it, I was like, oh, it's a layered thing. Because if, if God opened the box up and allowed me to deal with it all at one time, he knew that I would not be able to handle that. So why not do this step by step? And so that really ministered to me. And I share often that, you know, my podcast talks about Jesus all the time. I just cannot do this without Jesus. So you're going to hear him. Uh, But some people are on my podcast that don't believe in Jesus. And so there are moments where they've experienced their own hurts um, in the church. And when I transparently share my experience, one of my molestations was the children's pastor. Yeah. And so when I share that, a lot of people are like, see, this is why I don't like the church. No, this is just what I've been. This is my circle of people. This happens in the marketplace. It happens at the corner store. It happens anywhere. You know, it can happen anywhere. And so even as people are listening to this and we're talking about the ways that the church um, has approached these kind of situations, it's like, we're still trying to figure it out. Like when people talk about how the church still needs work, like we know it too. We still know it and we're okay with admitting that. And so I think that, your book just blessed me in so many different ways. And it just gave me more patience to be okay with my process because God is not in a rush. He's just not in a rush. And in the meantime, I'm still able to do great things because that's one of the things I feel like people feel like if I start this process now, like it's going to be this long journey and I won't be able to enjoy life. So can you share a little bit about that? Like in your process, it was it all doom and gloom or what did it look like for you? No, and I think, you know, unfortunately for a lot of us, especially for um, women of color or minority women, we've been used to carrying weights for years. <laughs> you know, we, this is, this is what we do. And I'm, I'm speaking specifically to women, although I have a lot of men who have spoken to this as well, but you know, women are have been used to carrying the weight of handling family and kids and crisis and and doing that in a way where for hundreds of years we were silenced. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, we've been doing great things for centuries under sexism, under um, abuse from different religious sects, from uh, you know, it's not until recently in world history that sexually abusing a woman was really wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we read it in scripture, you know, I I was having a conversation with a guy the other day. I said, Hey, you know, he was talking about how amazing David was. And he only had one little issue and blah, blah. I said, yeah, except let's talk about the fact that he raped Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the fact that that was power rape. And she was doing what she was supposed to do, having her cleanse at her own house, you know, and he sent military men to grab her, raped her, Mm -hmm. then killed the man she was married to 
and made her a concubine, which meant she had no freedom anymore. Concubines mm-hmm. stayed in the house with other concubines for the rest of her, her life. And you don't hear about her again after that. Yeah. You know, we have to deal with that. And that's a, that's one of the reasons why people are struggling with navigating through Christianity and scripture because of the culture that has sometimes been attached to that. Before hundreds of years, women have dealt with the fact that I could be raped, my, you know, taken away. I can be physically beaten. It's probably until the early 1900s here in the States that that was really domestic violence really became a thing. Yeah. It beat their wives. That's what they did. Yeah. Everyone knew it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? If you're out of place, I'll beat you. Vashti stood up for herself at the beginning of Esther because essentially the king was asking her to dance before men. Yeah. And she stood up for herself and he put her out and got another queen in Esther who was sex trafficked. Cause let's go get all the pretty virgins and y'all bring them to me. Like these, are, this is what we've endured. So when you talk about process and how do we do great things? I mean, Esther saved the nation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she took the moment and said, okay, well, this is what it is. I'm going to now save a whole nation. You know, our mothers still raised us. You know, our mothers did what they could when they didn't get equal pay and they still, and we were talking back and acting however, you know, they did things or our grandmothers did or what we have always done great things. So for anyone who's listening, you know, I think that comparison kills. Yeah. And so if you're like, how do I do great things? Honey, if you woke up, it's a great thing. Yeah. You know, if you're still here, you've done great things. Let's start with that. If that is where you are, that is your great thing. Yeah. How do I be great? I keep breathing. Yeah. I have been in the moment where it was like, I'm just counting the day down. Like, I'm not even trying to say I'm going to live till tomorrow. I'm just trying to make it through today. Yeah. And I've been through moments where I literally looked at the clock and was like, okay, I made it from 201 to 202. Great. Okay. Can you do 202 to 203? Yeah. I had days like that. And that is great. Yeah. If that's the process I'm in. Um, on the flip side, I think, you know, a lot of us ignore it. We're so used to the cat calls. We're so used to whatever. Or for our men, they're abused, but they're used to being told that, hey, man, hey, if she she did something to you, because mm-hmm. you have babysitters that touched on all these men and did all this and introduced them. Hey, man, you lucky. Yeah, that's called being a man. And I know men that were like, no, necess- I didn't necessarily like that the first time. I didn't yeah. want it. But society told me that as a man, this is what I'm supposed to want. So I guess I'm here. Yeah. You know, um, then you have those who were men and women that were molested with the same sex. Like there's so, so many layers to this thing, but, but a lot of us have become very good at repressing mm-hmm. and not talking about it and not dealing with it. And so we go on and work our jobs and we, raise our kids and our brokenness and all of that. I don't think the, that's a problem. Us doing great things in the midst of pain is something we've done for centuries. What I think we don't do as well is processing and facing the issues because we then say, if I really face it, I'm not going to be able to wake up for work. I'm not going to be able to love my husband. I'm not going to, so let me just not enjoy sex. Yeah. Um, and make sure he gets his, or we're going to do whatever, because then I have to face the fact that, you know, when he says this, it reminds me of my uncle who did X, Y, and Z. Yeah. That's going to make him feel bad. And so in order for me to protect his emotions, because he's like, why are you tripping? Why are you acting like this? I'll just sit here and take it. And he doesn't even know I'm being triggered all over again. Yeah. 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 And, and while you were talking about, you know, David and him, you know, being praised for all these really great things that he did, which for those who, I mean, I think everybody knows who David is in the Bible, but he was known for some really great things. Um, yes. Usually referenced as the one who slayed Goliath. But yeah. when I think about it, and when I study the story of David, I always think about the fact that he was known for all these great things, but he wasn't a good dad. <laughs> you know, yeah. his son raped his daughter, his yeah. other son murdered 
his son. And so it's just like all these different things. mm -hmm. And so my question to you is in your experience, and as you've um, kind of walked with people, have you noticed that at times it goes back generations? Because for me, you know, I realized that I had been violated so many times, but so had two and three generations of women um, before me. And so I felt like I had to talk about it or it would continue. Have you identified that same pattern? Yeah. Uh, Like I said, I think it's, the world has said it was okay up until recently. Yeah. You know, and even still, we're having arguments about, well, she dressed like this, so she asked for it. We're yeah. still in rape culture. So, you know, we're, we're still in a culture that says, oh, she's fast because she got on short shorts when, you know, there was a point in some of our warmer continents and all that. We could walk around without clothes on and it wasn't, asking for right it wasn't you know oh she there's still cultures that still walk around a certain way and their men or their people do not see it as an invitation to rape but with globalization with colonization all over the world um in most places it's being hey i'm gonna we get the right to take your body um or even like in scripture where jesus steps in and saves the woman who's about to be stoned for adultery the man wasn't even there. Yeah. You know what I mean? She was so, I think for at least for women abroad for years, this has been the story. We are now learning to say it's not okay. Yeah. And I do think some of that has come with our ability to make our own money and to do certain things that gives us the freedom to not depend on a man. So the the more the less power they have in the world, the more we are standing up for ourselves and saying, no, because before you would lose a job. Mm-hmm. You didn't have acts that would take care of you with whistleblowing, you know. Um, and if you couldn't get a job, you needed to be married. So if that man hit you and do whatever, you just stay in your place and make sure your kids are all right and you do whatever. So I do think it's generational. Um, and I and I would I would imagine that's across the board with with women. I also think it's generational. We don't deal with sex for um lust to be out of control for men and women. Um, that have abused others. I don't think the s- church has been the safest place for people to be open about their issues. If someone does have an issue of thinking about kids inappropriately, has the church historically been the type of place where you could say that? Yeah. We're, how, how will we stop it unless it becomes safe enough for someone to say something is wrong because I think about kids? Yeah, yeah. So there's a flip side to that too. Yeah. So until it's safe enough that we can have both sides of the conversation and help someone, yeah, you know, I, it's going to be tough. And I think that's why it's been generational. Yeah. 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 I often think about that too, because in my mind, everything was forgivable, but violating, like me being violated. So everybody could be redeemed, but that person. And then I'm like, yeah. well, then does that mean that Jesus is who he says he is? Or am I being selective about who deserves his grace and mercy? And then if that is the case, who am I to say that, you know? And so I, yeah, I definitely agree. Tough. Yeah, I definitely agree. But I've been trying to, um, I, I'm still, this is, I talk about the things that I've overcome, but I've talked to, I also talk about the things that I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. But I still don't know how we could make the church comfortable with having that kind of conversation outside of like making people so uncomfortable that that there is no other choice. I never heard about safe touch. I never heard about sex in its purest form. Like I've read a sister, I ain't even gonna give the author's name, but I just read a book that gave me very vivid images of what it was supposed to look like to be intimate. And so I often wonder like, how can we introduce the church to having conversations like this safely because it's literally ruining the lives of so many people. Yeah, I think, um, (laughs) uh, you know, I'm I'm a bit of a, I'm a churchy girl that's not very churchy in some ways. But I think one of the main issues we have is looking at the Bible as a Western document. It is a document that was mostly, especially Old Testament, written in Asia and in Africa. Someone argued that at certain times, what was now Asia was Africa at that time. But that's neither here nor there. Most of it was written in an Asian, North African context. 
there are a few European countries that are mentioned, I think, in the New Testament. But overall, that is not the type of book we're dealing with. Yeah. Um, we think Middle East and we separate it from Asia. It's in Asia. We separate the fact that um, there are documents that would suggest that Jesus spent a lot of time in India and in some places like that nearby. We, we do not connect with the, um, the culture, the true culture of what we're coming from. So when scripture says to meditate, when scripture talks about um, God in the New Testament being the light and him being a rock and a stone and all these things, if you don't understand Asian culture, if you don't understand um, some of the beliefs about meditation, about um, light, about you know the spiritualism, then you don't even understand how big Jesus is, right? Yeah. And so um, we don't know how to start the conversation about sex because we're not really reading the Bible in the right context. Yeah. If you then read the Bible in the right context and you realize what intimacy is, what, what, what the spirit was even culturally in that time, and in many ways still today, you will miss the beauty of sex. I had to go outside of Christianity. When, you, when people are talking about energy and vibrations and this and sensuality, a lot of them practice the beauty of sex. They practice semen retention or, you know, they and, and not for the sense, it's just like, hey, you need to hold that because you're supposed to transfer that energy to something else. Yeah. Hey, take that young man. They train their men to, to say no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't do that. That's not a cultural thing. Yeah. And so when you're talking about self-control and sexual self-control, this is a part a, of a culture that says, hey, you need to practice this retention because in order to be productive and all that take that energy and put it towards something else yeah. there's a science behind it when you understand that and you teach a little boy or a little girl don't touch that don't do that you know you can you can put it somewhere else like hey this energy you have this sexual energy is god given and it's beautiful especially in its right time this is what we're going to do we're going to practice you refraining from going all out every time you feel like that. And watch what happens if you put that energy and you transfer it this way. Yeah. Watch what happens if you put it into work. Watch what happens if you um, serve at this time. For young women, watch what happens when you're ovulating. If you choose not to just have sex over and over and over and over, but you might make the choice to say, oh, I'm ovulating. You're at your height of energy, of of clarity and if you transfer that energy for those five days every month four or five days you can do amazing things and then when your cycle comes along you can rest because you've already done more that's your this is your planting season and then you can harvest like that these thoughts that were a part of culture which is why women although they put them away but there was a season of rest right we haven't transferred yeah and so we don't understand the beauty of sex and we don't understand what we're giving away. Some of these cultures are like, hey, they might not use the language we want, but they're like, hey, you, you don't just throw your energy around. Like you don't just transfer that. You don't do these things. You don't, you know, X, Y. And this is why, because you're beautiful because of this, because you want to say this, because you're the line. When you become this age, this happens. And all. we have lost touch with that. And it's scary. It's yeah. scary for us to go in, to go and talk about intimacy. It's scary for us to allow people to think differently because for so many years we taught stuff. We, we got an incomplete teaching because that's the way it was easier to control our minds. Mm. And if we can't control your minds, then what happens? And we have fallen into the trap that if, if the people of God know too much, they'll leave God. That's the way we think. Yeah. If you get the freedom and you read a book by this person who's not a believer and you, you know, everything's unequally yoked and we use the scripture all out of con kinds of context. But if you do this and they're going to get you as if God's power is not greater than any other power. Yeah. As if you, as if Jesus didn't stand in the presence of demons and demons say to him, where do you want me to go? 
Can we please go to the pigs? Yeah. You know, we forget that he's powerful. And so we allow Satan to have certain information and use it how he wants to. Instead of educating ourselves and saying, okay, all right, I see what you're doing there. Here's the, here's a way to do it. That's full of light. That's full of life. And so instead we say, okay, well, we're going to let them have that. We're going to call it witchcraft and leave that alone. Yeah. Why would you let him have a whole area? Yeah. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. Yeah. Like, how dare anything be secular when we have power? Secular just means God's not in that yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we're allowing them to take it. You know what I'm saying? It's like what we did when computers came out. It's the devil's machine. Yeah. You know, that's like- what we've done. As opposed to taking stuff and saying, oh, this is God's. Yeah. Demonizing the things that we don't understand. Demonizing it. And then they are understanding so much. And we wonder why the spiritual warfare seems equal sometimes when it's not. It's just because they have certain tools that we were teaching our kids not to even act like exist. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think, you know, all of that, all of that to say it plays a role in how we see sex. It plays a role in how we interact with each other plays a role in how we see intimacy. And because we won't call the thing, the thing, we won't say David raped Bathsheba. We won't say Esther was sex trafficked. We won't say these things. We cover it up. Yeah. We can't deal with issues when they arise. Yeah. Because then you're, you're molested or you feel like you were power raped and you don't think God hears you when it's like, okay, well, what happened to Bathsheba? Was she, was there grace there? How did God come through in that lineage? How did he, you know, if we don't address, address those things, you know, then we can't see the beauty of God. And so there's so much there. It's so layered, but I do think we need to teach sex earlier and teach it so good and show intimacy to our kids that they wouldn't even want to share that it's like when kids understand the value of money they don't just give that to everybody yeah yeah. they give money and they hold it yeah we teach sex in a way that it's less valuable than money yeah and they just give it away yeah for free (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i think man i gotta pull the reins back because i'll start to go into the fact that you know a lot of people don't really know scripture the way that they should and that's why they just shut people down when questions like this arise because they cannot give context to that but you know we just gonna move a little bit away from that (laughs) um (laughs) so um so I'm gonna ask like a few personal questions um you have to read the book I mean, she's just so transparent. This idea of ovulating, I read and I shared it in my podcast before and I manifested this because I totally said (laughs) it in one of my podcasts, but you were talking about ovulating and how you just need to calm down for a few days, like call your accountability, get busy. And you'll be, yes. And I said, my goodness, because I would just feel a little hot and I'm like, this is it. (laughs) I ain't been working hard enough. (laughs) I got to fast. I mean, I'm just losing everything. Um, It's like, girl, just wait for a five. Yeah, yeah. And so can you kind of share how you feel like just lust and wanting to be what you thought was intimate um, with people during your healing process? Like how, I don't know, like a lot of people just, that was my, that was my way. Like, I just want to feel loved. I want to feel in control, even if it's for the 10 minutes that I'm with someone. And so can you kind of explain that and how you feel your violation played a part? In the intimacy? Yes. For me, I think my sense of intimacy was distorted because of a number of things. Um, one, the messages were all were told. Like, you know, some of us are told messages about, you know, I'm not hurting you. I just love you. Or I just appreciate you. Whatever you're told in some of those moments. For me, it was more manipulation. So I was approached through the love aspect or I care about you or you're so mature or yeah, you're my girlfriend. We just can't share this, you know, that I associated those words with the things that we did. And so that left me feeling like if those actions weren't taking place, that means no one loves me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that I'm not cared for, right? And I know all of us hear different messages, but that's more so my story. And then I was a very big child. So I was over 200 pounds when I was 
in the fifth grade, right? And so I would hear things like, you know, if you don't lose weight, ain't nobody gonna want no big girl. And da, 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 da. and then I lost weight, and then it was like, you're gonna be too skinny. And it, you know, <laughs> um, and so I think when I heard that, I'm the type of person that's like, you can't tell me what I can't do. Mm-hmm. You really, you challenged you know? me. Thank you so I'm, much. That, that's what I hear. Is I'm, I was, I'm, I was, I was given the gift of stubbornness, um, <laughs> which is that is a gift. You know, it it just has other sides to it. Yeah. And so it would be like, okay, bet. And so a part of that was also me telling, proving that I'm pretty. Yeah. Because apparently you're saying that by me weighing this much or looking this way, no one will want me. So the more people I can get tells me the it's the prettier that I am. Yeah. You know? And so um, I think that's how that worked out. And it's just an illusion. And sometimes just like any other drug, it's enough. 10 minutes is enough. The hit is enough. Mm-hmm. Some people church is the drug for them. Mm-hmm. you know they go they shout they dance they do they sing their songs that doesn't mean they're close to God they just got their hit yeah and so there were times where that was the transfer and yeah. I didn't really know God I just liked church and I could feel a high and feel something spiritual for a moment and I like the energy of that yeah you know and so you know there there, there are levels to that as well but that that was kind of how that played out in my life yeah and so when you um, decided to kind of go on your healing journey and you were like, I don't, I just don't want to keep falling into sin or like you just decided to heal. I feel like people just come out of the woodwork. Like all of a sudden everybody's interested in you. And, but then you still have these behaviors that you have to unlearn. Right. And so I found myself in a service one day, just singing after having a wild weekend and mm. the Lord just blew like this smell of trash across my nose. And he's like, this is what your worship smells like. Cause you think this is what your worship is to me. Mm. And so my question to you is, what was the strategy for you to kind of break out of those behaviors, kind of like as you were trying to give yourself to the Lord again? That's a good question. I talk about awareness in the book. What I have adopted in my life, which isn't necessarily the standard Christian thought, but I adopted a couple of things. One, living a life of awareness, not of behavior modification or of necessarily right or wrong. I think sometimes limiting things to what's right, what's wrong can be tricky because what's right for you might be wrong for me and vice versa, right? What God calls you to do um, because you're his child might be different. As a father or a mother, if I I have one child, but if I had two, right? And there's gonna, there will be a time, let's say I have two kids and we're at the pool. Well, I know my oldest child, CJ, might be able to swim. We're going through training together. Or he's just really athletic, let's say that. And he says, mom, can I swim out? Or he just starts swimming out. And I'm watching him saying, oh, he's going, you know, I don't say anything. My youngest child, I might say, oh, no, 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 you stay in three feet. Yeah. Three feet is right for her. Where I might tell my others, you know, my other child, hey, go farther, go farther. Yeah. What we tend to do is to do what we did as kids and say, you know, if your mama or somebody say, can't go outside? No, you can't go outside the house clean. Mama said, can't nobody leave. Said, no, 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 no. <laughs> I didn't say, can't nobody. I said, you can't leave. Yeah. Right. And so then we make it a law for the church, right? We make the law that, hey, no one is allowed to drink. No one is. That's not what scripture says. Yeah. Just don't get drunk. Now, yeah. spirit might've told you not to drink because it knows the tendency. It knows how you are made. It knows how you will form that, hey, you might drink, you have an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. We don't want that because I need you sober-minded, you know, or what have you, whatever it is, right? And so I think I've had to adopt the idea that it's, it's less about trying to figure out right and wrong and more about figuring out what's going on right now. Yeah. And awareness and living in the light. And what light does is it doesn't move a thing in the room. Yeah. I could walk in a pitch black room and trip over everything and say, this room is dangerous. There's that I'm getting, you know, tore up. I'm cut up, whatever. And I could cut the light on and say, oh, I'm in the kitchen. That was a knife thing there. That was it. Nothing's wrong with the room. Yeah. The problem was how much light was in the room. Yeah. So in some cases we're trying to navigate right or wrong when really, if you cut the light on, you will move appropriately. Yeah. 
We don't have to throw out the knife. We don't have to do. And so I found in life is not actually a lot of times for me about right or wrong. It's about what is the best use for this knife? Yeah. What is the best use for this sink? Oh, this is why I keep tripping because it's an ottoman in the middle of the floor. I don't start praying and cutting up whatever this is in the dark. No, no, no. This actually has a use, but let me put it over here. And so walking in the light isn't for me anymore about just completing a a number of rules. It's about being aware and saying, Holy Spirit, help me see what's here. It's about asking why, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I? And then I think God has given us the wisdom enough to, to make the right decisions based off of observation. Yeah. Most of us are wise enough that if you see a knife on the ground, you're not going to stump on it. Yeah. You know what a knife does? I don't have to tell you that the only reason I might get scared if you walk in the room and say, oh, oh, wait, there's a knife right there. Once you know what, I'm not worried. Oh, yeah. I didn't even see that. Okay, I see it. You either pick it up and put it in its place, which is probably the smartest thing, yeah. or you might leave it on the ground and remember, okay, that knife's there. Yeah. I would argue that's probably not the best way to do that. Yeah. But if you're aware, you might miss the knife just by that, but you know, by knowing that it's there. And so I, I've adopted a life that says, okay, how can I cut more light on? Yeah. Is there an area where something's in the shadows? Mm-hmm. Let me lower it. And so my prayer has become, Lord, shine a light in the shadows of my heart. Shine a light. And then the other side is that, you know, the scripture that talks about God loving us while we were yet sinners encourages me. Like, I don't have to feel the pressure of I'm going to lose the love of God and so for me I'm encouraged by his love so when I would get prophesied to I remember one time girl I had just done something I shouldn't have done and someone called me out I said Lord you about to tell me (laughs) daughter I saw you today and they said God just wants you to know that he loves you and your purpose has not changed and uh even with what happened earlier today you are so loved by him that breaks me more than anything yeah you know that while i'm yet a sinner he loves me like when you realize someone has that type of love for you then the scripture by love and kindness have you drawn me becomes real now there are times where it's like god needs to let you know hey this is trash but usually he does that in a way that this is trash let me show you how much i've loved you like it's in the context of i love you so much and you're worshiping me you're saying these things because you know they're true look at how you treat me like trash yeah it's not i want to beat up on you daughter you're trash you're this your worship is trash and this is why i I I suck yeah i love you so much and i love you worshiping me but it hurts so much when you say these words but you don't live this way yeah that's all you got to say it's when your parents say i'm disappointed in you yeah yeah you walk out the room it's like what me no no (laughs) you know what i'm saying please please whoop me but when i realized he's like oh you gonna love me after this yeah and it was a period where holy spirit sounds weird but for me i needed to learn love he i really felt led to um every time i had sex every time i did something i was supposed to do god was like hey will you make an agreement with me that right afterwards you'll have worship man that don't sound weird at all i would drive my little hot tail an hour and a half away and then I will yeah. come back and listen to sermons about like why God didn't like why lust was bad. And it wasn't, it wasn't condemning, but it was just reminding yeah. me like, I'm supposed to hate this thing. I'm not supposed to like yeah. it. And so I feel like that, that is what I can appreciate because I think that a lot of people see me at the beginning of my, or they see me at this part of my process and they are at the beginning and they're like, well, how am I going to get there? And I'm like, there is no, I cannot give you a template on how this is going to look it's because if I tell you. I have a whole playlist of, of sermons on why I should not like lust. That is not going to work for you because if you don't know the love of God, you don't, you'll see it as um, condemnation versus God redirecting and having, you know, wanting you to have a better understanding of his love. And so, man, yeah, and the more you focus on lust, that's what you, you're mm-hmm. more prone to it. If I say, don't look at my hand, you look at my, our brain does that. Yeah. So for me, I had to literally stop thinking about lust. Yeah. And I think that's what he was programming me to. Like you are living your life centered around lust and trying not to fall as opposed to my goodness. Yeah. And you, even if you don't have sex will still miss me because your life is about sex. Yeah. 
yeah. whether it's having it or not. Yeah. And so what it was doing was in those moments where I get up and I'm like, Lord, you sure this feel weird? Because I would also go like a week or two or something before I talked to him so I could feel better. Like he wasn't there, right? You're right. Like, like <laughs> but it was like, God, I'm not worthy. So I don't want to talk to you. So what would happen, I would have these worship moments. He would, and he would say nothing about what just, what I just did. Yeah. It would literally be, Ooh, you want to learn something? And I would learn the most dynamic things out there. Now, somebody else might be like, see, I, they opened me up for it. it. No, that wasn't the case. What he was trying to show me was that I still want to talk to you so much. And that, that got me after a while. It's like, yeah. man, yo, like I keep doing this and I know that it's not the best for me and you don't like the things that aren't the best for me. Right. And my problem was, I'm also knowing that I'm having these type of relationships with people who are horrible for me. Yeah. So it's like, it man, it'd be better if the person loved me or cared. <laughs> I know this person does not care for me. How much of it is, am I spitting in God's face mm. by, you know, cheating on him with somebody who thinks of me as less than, Yeah, you know, that hurts his feelings. And so, you know, it seemed like, man, you, you, you desperate for me, Lord. Like at some point I got to stop mistreating you like at yeah. some point I've got to join this I don't want to do this no more like you so good instead of me being with them I'll just spend time with you yeah yeah and 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 I was having better intimacy with him and it gave me the moment to be like okay I just I had sex this way but man what was better was that time with you afterwards so why not just live in this space yeah yeah you know as opposed to sleeping with someone who's already let me know they don't care about me yeah you know or whatever it is but he was also patient with my process so I think you know there were probably times that if I did not do that I probably would have lost my mind yeah and I think he knew that like the only way I knew how to cope was a certain way yeah it is like hey I'd rather preserve your life as we're fixing your life than have you going crazy right now yeah yeah so yeah um, were you able to, cause you're, you're talking about like shining light so that, you know, when things are in a specific space, but did you, were you able to identify what, what your triggers were? So for me, it was like, I'd be fine. And then I'd experience a disappointment. And that was the first thing that I thought, like, just go sleep with somebody when yeah. it didn't even apply, you know? And so yeah. were you able to identify your triggers and what did you do after that? Yeah, I am. I did. And I still am. Yeah. And I think it's the same. Once the light comes on, it's like, oh, that button does that. Yeah. So it would depend. Do I want to keep it there? Is that okay? You know, I ask myself questions like, okay, that's what that does. In some cases, I just need to let people who care about me know. Yeah. If I'm in a relationship or whatever else. Hey, I am working through this. I'm going to therapy. I am evaluating the thing. I'm trying to shine more light on why the button exists that it can trigger me. Um, or it's like, hey, this is what it is. I just don't do that. Yeah. I think you make it, I think you make a decision, but there's always a trigger. You know what I think we don't do well is sometimes we identify a trigger and instead of working to eliminate some, so, cause some things are unhealthy triggers yeah. and instead of wanting to do the work to eliminate that, we just tell everyone around us not to touch it. Mm -hmm. That's not always fair. Yeah. And I think we have to recognize that like, you know, if a trigger, if you're married and one of your triggers is, you know, having, we're just going to be real. If your trigger is having your hair pulled because of what happened to you, then you might want to tell them, just don't ever pull my hair. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> if a trigger is people hugging you, that might be fine for a moment, yeah. but it, it might not be the best for culture. Yeah. It might need to be something that you say, Hey, right now I'm not really touching, but you might need to go deal with that you know what i'm saying and i i think everyone as the light comes on you evaluate it is it is it fair to ask everyone to tiptoe around certain triggers yeah or you know are some triggers just what they are they are what they are you choose your battles like you know i i just don't eat that because it reminds me of a day where x y and z happened okay yeah yeah but for yeah. me i'm always wanting to gain more control over whatever is going on in my life. And so there are certain things that I want to learn more about because I just don't want to have any area. You cut the light on, you see it, and you're like, do I want that button there? 
Yeah. It's kind of like that knife. Like, is that a good idea for that knife to be on the ground? No, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to put it up. You know, da, da, da. Um, as opposed to everybody watch out for the knife. Like at some point, stop yelling at people to watch out for the knife. Get up, pick it up and put it, put it somewhere. Yeah. The, kni- the knife's on the floor. It don't even make sense. You want me to walk around and not run and not do anything because yeah. you got a knife on the floor? Pick up the knife or I'm not coming to your house. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think, and I think that that's something, one of the things that I noticed, noticed too, that like out of fear of opening up this box of all this hurt, people don't tend to the issue and they're, they're like, well, I'm fine. Cause I don't really see it manifesting in my life. And everybody else around you is like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Like why I just helped you take off your jacket. I don't know why you started crying. Like everything's okay. You know? Right. And so that, that's really my encouragement. If you ever feel like you finished, then you probably stopped growing. Mm-hmm. and anything that is stagnant is dead yeah. letting things grow so keep digging and find God more and then for those who are starting or in the middle be okay with your process it is you and God's process if you believe he started the good work then it's not to anybody it's not up to anybody else to finish it but him and that's the agreement I made with him if you start you the author and the finisher yeah. it's not uh hey I'm the author and you got to finish it with you the author finish it yeah. I am I am open to letting you finish it. And so if you're in a place where you feel like it's incomplete, you just might be on day three is good, but it's not complete. Yeah. And, you know, whatever that is, don't let anyone push you to look like you're more whole than you are, because that might be a setback. Yeah. Um, so if you are where you are and you're sincerely just trying to move forward, do it. The other thing is go to therapy. Yeah. Go to therapy when things are good. Go to therapy when things are bad. Treat it like working out. It yeah. must be done regularly. And that's okay. Yeah. yeah. So what's next for you? Like, what are you going to do? Like, well, I you- think you uh, have convinced me <laughs> and that's a, uh, that um, I'll be working on a workbook and a, and a course for after they touch me for people who want to walk through it um, with some coaching and then you can follow me online at Sharona Drake on Instagram and everywhere else to follow different events and so forth. I got conferences I'm speaking at and all that kind of stuff. So if you want me to speak at your next event or podcast or whatever, then you can definitely contact me. But, you know, I'm just wherever God leads me is where I'm going. And like I said before, I have to get the faith. So that could take me anywhere. anywhere. I've learned that I've been yeah. a lot of places because I, I will dare to go. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, I usually let my guests um, close this out in prayer. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you are a God of process. I thank you that you are creator, that you are friend, and you sit outside of time. So what we think is too long or too short or too anything doesn't mean a thing to you because time is just, it's just really an illusion that <laughs> For you is something that you've created and so for anybody in their process God I thank you that you're okay with time you're not intimidated I thank you that although sometimes it feels like you weren't there and that you weren't protecting us that I believe that there was a point where you said not anymore that's too far enough so I've got to believe that those of us who are molested or touched or raped that there was a point where you say hey you can't take her life though you can't take his life you can't take this that even though the enemy might have asked for 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 it all like he did with Job in scripture you said yeah you can go but this far and I thank you that you said that because you knew that despite the obstacles great things could come God, that there were blessings on the other end of our pain. And God, so I pray that you give everyone listening the strength, the energy, the boldness to face the issue and to overcome it so that they can get to the other side of promise. That they can live the type of lives where they see that where sin abound, grace abound much more. Where all of the things they've gone through seem like light momentary affliction in comparison to that surpassing glory that is in you. God, I thank you for Vanessa. God, I thank you for the healing process that you have even for her. God, that the pain that she is going through 
will prove to have a bigger purpose. I thank you that you are turning her and those that are listening from victims to victors. God, that she would continue to have the strength to work through her process and know when, hey, that's enough for today. That's enough for this season. And to know when it's also time to challenge and to push and to go forward. I thank you for everyone learning to love themselves first. That love is not something found outside or externally, but God, that we can learn self-intimacy. We can learn to study ourselves, to accept ourselves first, to not reject ourselves so that we can learn to love our neighbors as ourselves. So I pray that you restore self-love. And everyone listening, I thank you for this opportunity to share your light which is life uh, to me. We love you. We honor you, Dad. In Jesus' name, amen.